Tonight I'll be preaching from the book of 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. And I'll be reading one verse, verse number 18. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 18. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. And that wicked one toucheth him not. Let us pray. Father, we thank you once again for the privilege that you have given us to gather here tonight. We thank you for the privilege to praise you and to pray to you. And now as you speak to our hearts through your precious word, I pray that you would use it to guide us, to open our understanding and to learn more of who you are and what you desire for our lives. Dear Lord, forgive us where we have failed you, and I pray that you would strengthen, challenge each person here tonight. Give me the words you'll have me to say, pray that you would cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your precious Holy Spirit, that I may preach what thus said the Lord. Dear Lord, in everything, may you be honored and glorified. Take full control. Have your divine wing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You'll be seated. If you were to survey the internet, you were to go to bookstores, you were to look at YouTube channels and TV shows, I believe that you would find that Motivational speakers and motivational books are surely plentiful. And I believe this is so because people want success in life. And so they're willing to listen to those who would promise it by way of their motivational speaking, their motivational books. Within these books, there are many theories and solutions that are provided for achieving success. But let me say here tonight that there is no solution to our success that will ever supersede God's word. You see, my friend, you and I, we have been born with this disease, a plague called sin. And this vice, it hinders us in every way possible to fulfill what God has for us to accomplish. In First John, this epistle written by the disciple John, John spent this epistle expounding on the distinctiveness that is seen in a born-again believer because in order to address this problem of sin, this believer has now been found in Christ and that brings about some distinctiveness. It brings about a changed life. You see, my friend, the Christian signature, as I've labeled this series, it is evident in the life of a believer simply because 
the problem of sin has been dealt with. If you were to examine, for want of a better word, a sea of people, you were to go to a stadium that might host or seat 50,000 plus people, and everybody is dressed in black, or most everyone is dressed in black, and just a couple of people are dressed in white or a different color that contrasts to black, they will absolutely be noticed. They will be distinctive. You can use any color for this illustration. My friend, it's all about the contrast. Understand that when it comes to our salvation, because God has saved us with his precious blood and it has put us from a position of being destitute and depraved by sin to now being positionally righteous in Christ, my friend, we ought to be distinctive in our Christian life to stand out in a lost and dying world. Sadly, believers have lost their distinctiveness. And as such, collectively, we are not making the kind of impact that God wants us to make. In chapter 5, in these verses that we have been examining for quite some time, we have seen what I call here in these verses proofs of salvation. These are evidences that ought to be present in the life of a believer that can confirm not only to others but to that believer that I am assuredly a child of God. We have seen in verses 16 down to verse number 21, which well 20, which we have not yet gotten to, but the proof of being concerned about sin. My friend, every believer should have a healthy concern for sin. We saw in verses 16 and 17 the, the seriousness of sin. The fact that sin is such a major uh, blight on, on our human existence that even if a brother sees another uh, brother or sister sin, that, that individual understanding the, the danger and the, 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 the problem of sin would venture to even ask a question. Why? Because the matter of accountability is important. We are brothers and sisters. And what we do affects one another. We saw the seriousness, the fact that there is a sin unto death, that, that a person can, uh, if they continue to live in sin, unrepentant, sin is so serious that that sin can bring about that person's ultimate demise. There are consequences to sin. But thank God that because we know Christ, that there is a solution for sin. Amen? There is a solution for sin. Notice verse number 18. There is a divine source. It says, we know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. We saw here that, that my friend, whatever is born of God cannot sin. Now we understand that in this verse, that, that God, when he 
lives in our heart and enters our life, we now have two natures. We have a spirit nature, a Holy Spirit nature, and we have a flesh nature. But whatever is born of God, that's born again, as Jesus described in, in John chapter 3, speaking to Nicodemus, that that thing that is born of God, that person that is born of God, cannot commit sin. It's a divine source. But we know we observed last time as well that there would be a desire for sanctification. He says, but he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. It simply means that because of this new nature that God has placed inside of us, that we have a desire to stay away from sin. There's some things that we must do to be able to progressively be sanctified. Why? Because we understand the solution for sin. But tonight I want us to look at the last aspect in this verse where it says, He that is begotten of God keepeth himself, but look at this, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Listen, I'm so glad that as a child of God, we don't have to live a life that's wrapped up and messed up in sin. God has given us the solution. The solution has come not from an earthly source, not from the United Nations, not from any earthly agency, but this has come from God himself. He the divine source. It is divine source and this divine nature that is now inside of us ought to cause us to want to desire sanctification. But notice thirdly tonight, look at this. There is definite security. The Bible says, and that wicked one toucheth him not. My friend, we ought to be celebrating the fact that we don't have to keep ourselves saved. We have security in Jesus Christ. Now I want you to notice two areas where we have definite security. And understand the context here. We are talking about liberty from the bondage of sin. Understand that when it comes to our definite security, that we have security when it comes to our salvation. As powerful as Satan is, he has no power greater than the one who holds us in the palm of his hand. John chapter 10 rather, and verse 27 to 30 says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. Eternal life is life that never ends. And, I, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. If ever there were a verse for eternal security, it is that. My friend, the solution for our sin is found in Christ. And thank God that once we are saved and we are in Christ, Satan has no hold on us. He has no ability to pluck us or to take away our salvation, to take away this life that has been given to us that is eternal. During Hurricane Hugo in 1989, 
or family within that basement. And while the winds were blowing, I remember that there was some plywood that was placed on the eastern windows of the house. And during the storm in the middle of the howling winds, the plywood got blown off. And while these winds were howling and it was terrifying, my dad and I went out in the storm to nail that sheet of plywood back in place. While we were out there, the, the objects were being blown around. And listen, we almost felt like we were being blown around. But once we got back into that basement, we were safe once again. We couldn't protect ourselves from the elements, but the concrete basement could. Once we were inside, there was nothing to be worried about. My friend, when it comes to this salvation that you and I have been given, thank God that we have security in Jesus Christ. It's not our own righteousness. It's not our good deeds. It's not our good motives. It's not our strength. It's not our willpower. It's that Jesus' righteousness results in the security that we have. Simply put, because Jesus is righteous and we are found in him, when God looks at us, he sees Jesus' righteousness and he says, they are safe. They are secure. And so guess what? Satan cannot accuse us because he can't accuse Jesus. He cannot control Jesus. He cannot defeat him. So once we are in Christ, we are safe and secure. Thank God for your salvation. Thank God we don't have to walk around keeping ourselves saved. Says the wicked one toucheth him not. But I want us to look at the second aspect of this security. Now we have security when it comes to our salvation. But here's another aspect of security that oftentimes we take for granted. We don't embrace it as much. And we might even doubt whether we have it. But we have security, not only for salvation, but we have security for our service. Our service to God. Now, what do I mean by that? I simply mean that as we are here on earth, serving the Lord, fulfilling his will and purpose in our lives, make no mistake, we are going to be tempted by Satan himself. We're going to have to deal with the sin nature that we still have. But my friend, when we are being directed by God, when we are walking with him, when we are in his will, guess what? God has given us the security and the assurance to overcome temptation. And if we were to follow God's prescription, we would overcome temptation every single time. I know I wasn't going to get a big amen on that one. 
But I want to draw your attention to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Because this is not Pastor Wayne saying this. Well, of course, I am saying it by my voice. But this is coming directly from the word of God. Now, notice 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And verse number 6. I want you to pay close attention to these verses. Because it gives context for the latter verses that we will really focus on. Now, the Apostle Paul here, writing to the church of Corinth, recalls the children of Israel. And he recalls their time of rebellion when they were wandering in the wilderness after they had gone through the Red Sea, miraculously by God's deliverance. And look at what the Bible says in verse number 6. Now, these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Now we give the list of sins that we are to stay away from. He said, neither be ye idolaters as some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So he's saying, first of all, stay away from idolatry. Then he says, neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Then he says in verse number nine, neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. He's saying here with this, with this thing, he says, listen, when you know that you are not to do something, don't tempt God uh, just to see what his response is going to be. To him that knoweth to the good and doeth it is not, it is sin. Now look at verse number 10. It goes on. Neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. In other words, don't be a complainer. Grumbling. Grumpy. Never satisfied. Now he says in verse number 11, before we get to that verse, understand, the Apostle Paul outlines these sins, and listen, you could almost put every sin in a category here, that there has to be an intentional desire for a believer to stay away from sin in any form. It doesn't matter. Anything that goes against what God says. Understand that our philosophy and our, feels, our feelings cannot supersede, supersede rather God's word and his way. Comparing this with 1 John chapter 5, which we'll be looking at, there must be an appetite for God and for his way to happen in our lives. Now, it's verse number 11. He says, Now all these things happen unto them for ensamples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So understand the background. The Apostle Paul is saying, because he's about to give them the solution for being able to overcome temptation. He's saying if you want to overcome temptation, you must have a desire, a God-given desire that's within you to stay away from sin. Amen? 
There has to be that desire. It must be there. And it must come from you. Listen, oftentimes we find ourselves pulling and pushing and tugging. It does not work. It has to be inside the believer. So he gives them these lists of sins that they must decide and desire to stay away from. Now, if that does not happen, look at what he says in verse number 12. He says, listen, if you're willing to play around with sin, if you're willing to compromise, if you're willing to condone, he says, wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Simply put, if you give Satan and sin an inch, it will take a mile. The Apostle Paul is giving this backdrop. There must be a desire to stay away from sin. Then he's doing that because he's saying that that's the prerequisite for being able to have the solution for sin. Look at verse number 13. He says, therefore, rather, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as, as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. This is a promise from Almighty God that no matter what temptation you face, that God will not allow you to face a temptation beyond your ability to overcome. And he says in his word, which is a faithful promise, there is a way for you to escape and overcome that temptation and not sin. Wow. That's some security. Do we access it? Do we believe it's possible? Now think of driving on the road. And think of driving on a road where there are multiple lanes going in the same direction. What prevents chaos? What prevents disaster? Is the fact that lanes must be clearly defined. Now, when I'm driving, of course, more so in the U.S., I always think of the potential for a colossal disaster on the highway, when you think of the tons of steel and metal that are moving at high rates of speed. But all of that is able to function. Of course, there are accidents at times, but all of that is able to continue in large part. Why? Because there are clearly defined lanes in which each driver must stay. My friend, if we're going to live a life that is not overrun by sin, 
We're not overrun by Satan. Here's what we must do. Just like a driver must follow the rules of the word of the road, we must follow the rules of the word. God has given us what we need. My friend, if we don't, Satan will run roughshod over us. He will defeat us. He we, we will call us call us to cause us rather to yield to temptation. But I am so glad that just as we can have security based on our salvation and our position in Christ, we can have security to overcome temptation as we serve God. That's why back in 1st John, you can turn there as we close. That John says, he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. It's amazing how scripture correlates scripture. Because what we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 really expounds precisely what John says in verse number 18. He says, listen, you have a responsibility. You have to do some things to keep yourself away from sin. That's why he said, he that is begotten of God has this desire, this appetite that no one wants to stay away from sin, he or she is going to do something about it by keeping himself or herself and that wicked one toucheth him not. There's a connection between keeping oneself from sin and being able to overcome temptation. There is no way to overcome temptation and experience the victory over sin with a desire to cuddle with sin. It doesn't work. Thank God with Jesus Christ, we have the solution. The solution is available. This solution is accessible. Well, you know what happens oftentimes in the Christian life? We don't have a zero tolerance policy. We say, well, I'm human. What do you expect? No, I understand. I understand that we as human people, we have a flesh we got to deal with this flesh. But it doesn't mean that we are to tolerate it. When sin raises its ugly head, let's implement that zero tolerance policy. Let's not, let's not accept anything that goes against God. Let's not say, oh, you know what? Eh, I'm better than this person on the street. I'm not as bad as so-and-so. No. Sin is serious. And it's like a disease that never stays at the level at which it is. It's insidious. It wants to destroy its host. That's why we must have a zero tolerance policy. Whatever it is, 
that, 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 that evil thought, that motive that was not pure. I can't, I can't let you germinate and continue in this mind. I have to do everything that I can to walk with God, to be holy, to be righteous. And when that temptation comes, when that sin wants to dominate, we yield our members as instruments of what? Righteousness. That's the only way. And God has promised in his word, whatever that temptation is, there is a way to escape it. But we have to be willing to embrace the way. The way is not always easy. The way is going to require some humility. The way is going to require some sacrifice. The way is going to require giving up some things and some habits that we've had them so long that we just say that's just how it is. But God has given us the solution for sin. Let's thank God for his divine source. Because without being born of God, it's not happening. We've been given a divine nature to be able to address the problem of sin. Sin is serious. It destroys whatever it touches. But thank God, while we can be concerned and should be concerned for sin, that God has given us the solution for sin.